Confine that which you fear to the mirror. Start with who is standing there, then smile. And we welcome you into another exciting episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm your maestro. Wow, what a downer. What do you mean, Eeyore? What's going on? Oh, Ryan, I'm just, I'm coming to a realization about life and existence. And, you know, this show's about to end. You know, we're getting down to it and... You know, there's only things, three things to be certain of in life, and that's birth, death, taxes, and just wondering why we're doing any of this, really. Wow. Uh, I gotta say, I did not see this coming. Usually, you're a lot more upbeat about things. This, th- These are not things that Ethan Maestri says, um, but man... There's a lot more to look forward to. I mean, yeah, it's true. We're we're kind of on the downhill slope of this. We're almost done with it, but we've still got a lot of work to do. And even when it is done, I mean, think about think about all the fun that we had. You know, I mean, think about all the fun that you had. Things that you got to do. Um, like you got what? to. Well, you got to transport me into another dimension. Um, you got to, yeah, you got to, uh, we, we had a, we had a space battle, an epic space battle. How much fun was that? That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. We got to read our fortunes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, mine was better, but that doesn't matter. Still, it's like, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't know. I, yeah, I forget to think about those things sometimes. All right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. All right. Yeah. Good, good job. I, I'm ready to do this show. Let's let's do the show. You want to do this show? We're not just going to do this show. Hey, we're going to kick this show's butt. Yeah. All right. I, I, you're right. I'm back, Ethan. I'm Ethan Maestri. Let's do this. All right. He's I'm Ryan Mazzocco. He's Ethan Maestri, and we are here for uh, episode number eighty. Fear burns down the ashes. Big episode, Ethan. Exciting two, two episode. Ashes. Fear burns down two ashes. What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wrote it down because wrong if on this fear one. burns down the ashes, yeah, that's, no, 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 no. I get, that's yeah. like really bad destruction, right? Yeah, but it, I mean, burning that's, two ashes—that's really kind of what we're used to. I think when when you get two ashes, there's there's nothing left to burn. I mean, that's right. that's what we learned in elementary school is a chemical change, right? So yeah, um, I I'm, I misspoke. I just wrote it down wrong on the. I have it written and, down correctly and, on this other yeah, page. Sure, I just. But this is another thing for me to be happy about doing this show. Correcting exactly. you exactly. So there. exactly, oh, it's, it's it's serendipitous. And I know that I can count on you to not edit that out to make me sound really dumb. <laughs> and honestly, I hope you do keep it in. Um, so fear burns down two ashes. 
ashes to ashes. I guess it could happen. Yeah. So, all right, Ethan, you know what? Uh, you got to pull me out of this. I pulled you out of something. Now you got to pull me out of something. All right. You hit can re- you save this? Yeah. Can you save I, this? I can do trivia. You hit the reset button. All right. Let's do this. All right. All right. Trivia for fear burns down to ashes. This episode was written by John Kirk. And this is the first time we're seeing John Kirk as a writer for Andromeda. Prior to Andromeda, he wrote an episode of Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. He also did three episodes of the Fox series Roar, featuring the late Heath Ledger. And he did several episodes of the late 90s show The Net. He'll be back to write one more episode in Season 5 of Andromeda, and then that's it. John Kirk puts a wrap on his writing career in television after Andromeda. The episode was directed by Peter DeLuise. Now, this is the second time Peter DeLuise's name has come up back-to-back In fact, this is a block of four episodes that he is directing back to back to back to back (laughs) here in season four. So he's he's uh, he's getting the long service medal uh, for directing episodes of Andromeda here. Uh, Peter DeLuise. Our actors and actresses for this episode. Sylvana Kane plays Seton or as I describe her, the girl with a malfunctioning wardrobe that Rade has to fix. Now, this is one of only four credits on her IMDb page. She began her career in 2000 on the show Loser, then this appearance on Andromeda. She did a TV movie called Augusta Gone, and then had an appearance in 2007 on The L Word, and that's it for her career. Dominica Julier plays Haida, or as I describe her, the girl with the insane clown posse wardrobe and hair. She had a long career starting in the early 2000s with appearances on shows like The Chris Isaac Show, Jeremiah, and Dark Angel. Ingrid Torrance makes an appearance here. She's the evil scientist Sakai Seguro, or as I describe her, Harper's Perfect Woman. She had many appearances throughout the 90s and 2000s, including in-genre shows like Viper, The Sentinel, Cold Squad, The Net, The Outer Limits, Smallville, Stargate SG-1, she played Lucy in the 4400, and most recently played Nurse Ratchet in Once Upon a Time. And finally, we have Brent State, the return of Brent State as Rev Bim, or as I describe him, used to be a furry. If you want to know more about Brent State, do go back and listen to our interview with him on Drive Back the Night, on the Drive Back the Night special featuring Brent State, in which we interviewed him about his time on the show. A very good uh, uh, episode, if I do say so myself, and a great interview. Great to be able to talk with Brent. Uh, Most recently, if you enjoy the show Snowpiercer, he plays Jacques Carter on Snowpiercer. So that is a, uh, I think that's within the last two years, actually, that he's been appearing on that show. So Brent State, still an active Uh, an active career in television and movies as well. And that's all I got for trivia. Ethan, thank you so much for that trivia. And I also appreciate the very accurate descriptions of some of these characters. That way we know exactly who you're talking about on with the show. 
Is it my turn again? Do the... Yeah, I think it's. I'm. I'm. Man, I'm hoping it's your turn. Because <laughs> otherwise, this for will one be a thing, real short if trip. I'm do, if I'm doing the summary, I did the summary on the wrong show. So, <laughs> right. Nope, yeah. it's me, and I do have the plot for Fear Burns Down to Ashes. Rev Bim places a long-distance call to Dylan and informs his old friend that he has a secret. It's a weapon that will defeat the Spirit of the Abyss. If only Dylan will come to Juco alone, not with anyone else, by himself, alone. Only then will Rev tell him about this secret. Nothing odd or untoward about that at all. Roll the opening credits. Dylan does, in fact, head to the junkie world Juco. And when I say junkie world, I literally mean it's just a planet full of trees, burning trash cans, strung out junkies, pimps, and the highest per capita murder rate in the known universe. He does this with the Andromeda crew close behind. After a cryptic encounter with Rev, Dylan Juco's left when he should have juked right and gets taken down by an ironically shaped poison dart. Becca and Rade are just moments behind, but too late to stop the collectors from scooping up a sedated Dylan and escaping with Rev. This leaves Becca and Rade with the task of hunting down information that will lead them to Dylan. After fixing a broken dress, winning a fist fight, and engaging in a small mining operation and some additional spelunking, they eventually find the evil scientist Saguro and bring her back to the Andromeda. Meanwhile, Dylan wakes to find himself on a prison ship being dragged helplessly into the event horizon of a black hole. He finds Rev there as well, though Rev is definitely not himself. As we learn back on the Andromeda, that is because Rev, and presumably Dylan as well, have both been injected with Beta-A, a drug that heightens the fear within oneself, or causes the person injected to respond to someone else's fear, or a drug that conveys the thoughts and emotions of a person that can be read by a machine and watched on a screen. Whatever it does, Rev is tripping balls and is trying to harsh Dylan's mellow. Dylan won't have any of it and drags his Debbie Downer of a friend around the ship until they make their escape. Back on the Andromeda, having deduced the Collector's plan to either kill Dylan by crushing him in a black hole or testing him to make him stronger, the crew arrives at that black hole to retrieve the escaped Dylan and Rev. Safely aboard, Rev reveals to Dylan that he is the weapon to defeat the Abyss, a fact that Dylan already seemed to know. He and Rev make nice again. Dylan confesses to Trance what his deepest fear really is, and Rev takes a nap. The end. Very good summary, Ethan. appreciate that very much. Um, so I'll do some talking now. This is going to be real quick. Um, I did learn a really good combat move from Becca. Oh? Yes. After someone is knocked unconscious, you should headbutt them on the ground. Oh, my. Yeah, that was rather violent. <laughs> um, so you clocked that as well, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hold, hold on as I mark this off of my sheet since, oh, you're, okay. since we're there now. Uh, yeah. Holy cow. That was, um, how does she not have a concussion? I don't know. We know the junkie does, for sure, because he's out. I don't see how she can handle that, though. Yeah, no, well, I guess if you're the one that's that's giving the force, right? I don't know. It seems like people who headbutt don't get 
knocked out. I don't know. What's the, people what's that they the debate hit. in the NFL right now? And those guys are prepared for it, right? I'm I'm not saying that, you know, there can't be damage, but it just seems like the one receiving the headbutt gets the the brunt of the force. Except for the fact that this guy's already out. Yeah. That that was my whole deal. Is she she picks him up off of the ground he, he's to headbutt him. Right, right, yeah. So Yeah. A little aggressive there. So, yeah. That's Becca. Hey, how does uh, how does there's a moment where uh, Dylan is hit with the Magog, the little Magog uh, mini ship dart, poison dart, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how does Rev retrieve that thing? Did you notice that? Because I backed it up a couple of times in the background. He's like pulling with his hand, almost like there's a, maybe it would be a string attached or, or is using the force. I don't know. But the thing literally flies out of Dylan's neck and into his hand again. Did you yeah. see this? Yeah, there. it wasn't just that time. It was also, it seemed like it was flying around a couple of times yeah. before that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe which, he does have it which on when some it's... sort of like a, a, like a yo-yo or a retractable. You ever see those things people do where they, like, they put a, a dollar on a fishing line? Yeah. And then when someone re- reaches down to pick it up, they, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. pull it back? No. Yeah. I get that. Maybe, but maybe that's what he's doing. I, I assumed when there was the zipping by him and Dylan couldn't tell what it was, I assumed it was somebody else trying to hit him. And Rev was standing there as the distraction. I did not realize that it was Rev somehow firing that off. But, uh, but uh, yeah, obviously he, he, he pulls it out of Dylan and back to his hand. And I'm just wondering what's going on here. Well, what science is, is taking place? Or is there any? I mean, it's just, it's science that we don't understand. So it's magic, which um, is science we don't understand. I mean, okay. you said it, not me. But right. <laughs> either way, awesome shot, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's right on the money. He hit the um, mark. And it's not the first time, or it's not the last time, actually. It's not the last time that we see something like that in this episode. Yeah. Um, toward the end here, Dylan gets a real lucky shot when he just reaches around the back of, of Rev Bem's head and just gets him right square in the spine. You know, I can not I can barely hit a trash can from six feet away when I'm looking directly at it. I mean, blind, around the back, you know, that's... That's some hand-eye coordination. I got a good, good deal. Yeah, I today at work, I wadded up a piece of paper and threw it into the trash can. It was a perfect, beautiful shot from about, oh, 10 feet away. And everyone in the place went wild. <laughs> so Did they? You know, yeah, because wow. it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's that rare of a thing to hit something that beautifully and that perfect. And when I say it, I don't, I'm not saying that I made it in the trash can. I mean, it was a perfect shot. So, I mean, I'm bringing it up on a podcast about something completely different. Well, that's, that's a, how big of a deal this was. Isn't that what podcasts are about, though? Just yeah. bragging and bringing stuff up that makes no sense in the context of the conversation. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I also um, so we're smell podcasting. terrific. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to know as well. Yeah. Uh <laughs> So anyway, the point is that's that's how hard it is to get one of these perfect shots, and and they're just, well, they're happening all over the place here. This episode's is silly with them. Yeah, 
You're right. Well, but anyway, even with that perfect shot that Dylan gets, and then it extracts this the orangey reddish goo. Okay, um, put a pin in that because I feel like that's a what did we learn about a universe discussion. Yes. Continue on. Yes, it is. It is. I guess my point just to that was just that did he do it on purpose? Did he know that did, that was? Did he know? Happen? Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. That was my question as well. Yeah. Did he know? Okay. Did he know what he was extracting, or that he was? I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, maybe you're right. It's just these these two things kind of dovetailed because they're the same subject. Oh yeah. And so we, but yeah, you're right. We we need to talk Put about that later because there's a, a whole thing here. Yeah. Um. But I guess I'll I'll just say I'll just say the the opening sequence here with Dylan and Rev Bim. Um. I'm not buying it. There's something weird going on here. It's like they're not really having a conversation with each other. Yeah. And I get it that we're trying to make it as if Rev is a little bit disconnected. But I don't know. It's like they're not even actually talking to each other. It's like we have a pre-recorded message that Dylan just happens to be responding to. <laughs> and it kind of matches up, but not exactly. Yeah. It's just kind of like off. On... Yeah, to Right, like on Ferris Bueller's Day Off with yeah. the, <laughs> the the videotape. Yeah, yeah, uh, in, in his room. Yeah, and the doorbell. Yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, it did seem like that was what was going on there. I, I, I'm sorry. If you're gonna blast a hole in the ground to see if there is a tunnel underneath, do you have to do that with you standing in the middle of the part of the ground that's going to collapse? What's the first rule of Minecraft? Don't stand over the <laughs> ground that you're digging on. Never dig straight down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got a big old note on this whole thing. Um, I just said shooting underground, just nope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it advances the plot more quickly if they quickly fall down the hole, but I mean... Couldn't they have built it for a little suspense if they blasted a hole and then peered down to see inside in the darkness and and then, you know, a controlled drop into it to, you know, with guns pulled? You know, it, it seemed like it would ratchet it would ratchet up the tension a little bit. Oh, but yeah. this whole, no, let's stand in the center, possibly break our ankles or worse <laughs> by uh -huh. falling down into this thing. Um, it was just a weird call. It was weird and also shouldn't have worked anyway. Yes. <laughs> because, I mean, what are the chances that they just happen to be standing right over one of these tunnels? Right over the center of one of these tunnels? Yeah. Nope. No. That's why I said just a big nope. This yeah. doesn't work. This doesn't happen. How funny would um, it have been? Calling it out. If if we saw the first time they did it where they just blasted the ground out around them, cratered it all around them, nothing happened. Oh. I guess we need to I guess we need to try and dig somewhere else. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this is that's not what happened. Becca knew exactly where she was standing and it was about mm, 15 feet below where she needed to be. And no lava. And no like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And no hordes yeah. in a yeah. in a dark corridor. So, yeah. Lucky Becca. Oh yeah. Hey, I've got a question for you, Ethan. Mhm. Mm 
something that occurred to me while watching this is something that we see in a lot of sci-fi, a lot of stuff that happens in space. But how long does it take for a ship to depressurize? That's a good question. Uh, it shouldn't take very long with a conventionally sized ship. But if we're talking, you know, what what class was that prison ship that was decompressing? I thought it thought it was a heritage class. Yeah, cruiser. it looked. It, I mean, they just had a it was a, a stunt double of the Andromeda they usually yeah. use. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. And as we already know, Andromeda has what like ten thousand square feet of just storage space. Or we've talked about it a long time ago. How many cubic meters of volume does that ship have? It's quite a lot. Yeah, and so it would take a while. It would take a while to decompress. You really think so? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. I I think it would happen very quickly, very violently. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm suddenly having doubts on all of these shows that I've watched where we have this decompression of a cargo bay or a, a shuttle bay. Yeah. Um, I... I don't know, just just hanging on to a, a ladder. Yeah, it seems like that's that's a very massive. Okay, well, I got to be careful here because I keep wanting to say vacuum, but it's really the air from inside being pushed out. True. So, either way, semantics here. But the point is, that's a that's way too much force because it is the vacuum of space a very low pressure like no pressure and then a very high pressure yeah i i don't know it happens way more rapidly than what we saw depicted on the show but that's just us being nerds and nitpicking right can we admit that I, can we admit that i i i admit nothing <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I mean, well, fine. We'll talk about something else that happened in that sequence. Um, somebody really needs to go back and check the welders that are working on these ships because for a weld to turn loose like it did on that ladder that they were tied to, that's some pretty shoddy workmanship. Yeah. Um, either that or the force was much greater than they let on like we just talked about. <laughs> It's got to be one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Either the science is bad or the or the welding is bad. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that didn't even really look like a weld joint, though. It kind of didn't. It it kind of looked like two pieces of metal that were just pressed together. Yeah. Some somebody they missed. They, they missed didn't the do weld. Their job. They missed yeah. the weld. <laughs> yeah. They and did the how, one side how and they were like that should hold. And, 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 you know, the workers will tell you, well, we happen to miss one. It happens sometimes. Well, how did they tie to exactly that rung that was not secured properly? Uh, yeah. Ironic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dylan should have looked more closely before he tied it he on. He should have. He should have. He said, oh, not that one. Honestly, what I'm thinking the whole time in the sequence is, why was this not done remotely? I mean, why? I I understand because plot, but... I mean, seriously, we have computers that are active on this ship everywhere. Uh, why wasn't the, why wasn't this door remotely accessed? Well, at times, they're active. Functions function when they need to, <laughs> this but is other true. times they don't. Yeah. Okay. 
Moving on. Uh, why'd the Maru have to go out and pick up the slip fighter? Why? Why? Oh, I thought you were telling a joke. No, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> I'm legitimately asking. Why'd the, the Maru have to go out and pick up the slip fighter? Don't slip fighters land on Andromeda? Yeah. Was it having trouble escaping the black hole? And so maybe the Maru had a little bit more power. They could get it with the, with the Bucky cables from the Maru. They could get in there. Okay. Uh, really, my big question with that whole scenario um, was why did Dylan order his number one and number two to come get him? <laughs> Can't they leave some one of them on, on command? Yeah. Bring, bring one of the other many, many soldiers that you have on yeah. this ship did that it re- we never did see. it re- really require the two top officers yeah yeah no that's a, that's a good point excellent uh excellent point uh well made beautifully presented um so we'll move on from that and then i it's agreed then right rev staying revs back on board yeah i got that <laughs> i thought we were going to talk about that later but well, we yeah can. Got, are, are we learning I've more about our universe here, here? Um, you know what? I think we are learning about our universe. So what do you say? We just segue right into that. Um, yeah, I've got it written down right here. Revbim is back, baby. Yes. Yeah. A little less this fur, is... but that's okay. We'll get used to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited about this. Oh, I'm so um, happy. You know, you know I have felt like been... this show has been missing Rev being on it. And so oh, yeah. I'm so glad that he's back and we're going to have him here on the ship he needs to rest up a bit but by next episode i think we're going to be back in the old the old rhythm oh yeah no question no doubt no doubt in my mind i mean we we you look back on their midway through season two when the show kind of started to decline a little bit it's it's no coincidence or at least i think it's no coincidence that it, it started to drop off. Oh, and I agree. With the departure of Rev Bim and so much we, that he brought to it. We have talked about that on this here podcast. Mm-hmm. The fact that Rev missing is something missing in the show. And, and so ne- I'm so glad they've corrected this. So oh, happy. I am too. I am too. Um, I, for one, I personally can't wait to see what's going to happen next week. With Rev Bim. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, I learned something about Rade. Is that, uh, well, I don't know if it's something that we learned about Rade or just something that's, uh, that we need to discuss about Rade. Um, he, he seems to be intolerant of those who are in the exact same situation that he is in. Um, when I say that, I mean um, his, his skepticism of Rev Bim. Because okay. everyone's excited to go see Rev Bim, and he's like, "Are you kidding me? He's a Magog." And they're like, "Yeah, but he's different." And they're like, "No, he's not. He's a Magog." <laughs> I see your point. Said said the Nietzschean, right? That's trying to not be like the other Nietzscheans, right? Right. So okay, why why is it that you can do it but nobody else can? Yeah, Rade. That that actually kind of filters into a little bit of the discussion that I feel like we could have about Rade, in just his worldview, right? And this is kind of part and parcel to kind of a broader discussion that I kind of wanted to see if we had something here we could explore. We got a little bit of philosophy in this episode, and, and I'll just go through um, 
they're on the the command deck and they're talking about uh well as trance describes it uh, evil is ugly uh, often is disguised as beauty which is why we are tempted by it the greatest evil can be spoken as a lie from a sincere face the greatest good can be masked by fear and hate Roddy's response ugly is ugly beauty is beauty and I feel like this kind of encapsulates Rade uh, as a simpleton. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. he does not really, I mean, for, for all of his smarts and all of his, I guess, education that he's had and experience, he's a simpleton. Uh, yeah. Okay. going to have to go ahead and disagree with you uh, on that one. All right. As far as the experience part. I don't think Rade really has a lot of experience. You don't think? All of no. those years uh, as an admiral uh, in the backwater world that was holding to the old Commonwealth, you don't think that gave him experience level? Not really, because they were kind of holed up the whole time. But surely they dealt with interlopers and things like that. He got experience, I'm sure. Even just being in a military structure, you'll gain experience in dealing with people. But he, apparently he didn't learn any anything from it. <laughs> yeah. Because he's having a hard yeah. time meshing with this crew, it seems like, a little bit. Or, or maybe not necessarily meshing, but he's still having difficulty really hitting his stride and finding his place. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's because of the reason for which I, with which I disagree with you because with. You, I, that was messed it that was so messy <laughs> so so you're 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 saying he has had no experience and therefore that is why he's flailing about here on andromeda i think he 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 has the the delusion of experience i think he has gone through less than he thinks he has our crew that we've had that we followed this whole time have definitely gone through more than he has. I'm not saying that he hasn't done anything, but when we found him, he really hadn't been exposed to the world outside of his little group hardly at all. So, I mean, what what's he doing there? What other cultures is he really learning about? What what sort of um tolerances for alien species is he is he really learning he's he's stuck in a world surrounded by other nietzscheans that are that are like-minded well they weren't all nietzscheans but i i hear what you're saying i take a little bit of a different tack i feel like yes he did gain the experience he just learned all the wrong lessons or made all the wrong applications and therefore (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. he he has he cannot get past his nietzschean simple-mindedness and and therefore accept broader points of view and and, yeah. and you definitely see that with this comment no ugly is ugly beauty is beauty that's an extremely yeah. nietzschean comment um because from their point of view they have a very set idea of what beauty is they have a very set idea of what ugly is and it's probably pretty broad and so, you know, yeah, I just I, I feel like that highlighted Rade's position. But then also a lot of what Trance says, there's nothing to argue with there. I mean, she was absolutely right. You know, sometimes a lie can be spoken from a sincere face. 
that's ugly <laughs> and mm-hmm. we feel betrayed and that hurts when that sort of thing happens. Uh, the greatest good can be masked by fear and hate. Now that one, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about that one and I think I understand what she's saying there in that good can be covered over and, and ignored by people that fear and hate the thing that's being said that may actually be good. That's kind of how I took what she was saying there. Um, not necessarily that a person can have or be possessed by fear and hate, but somehow be good at the same time. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe not. I don't know. Thought? No, I agree. I had a hard time with that one, too, just because it seems like most of the time when something is good and pure, hate, that's how hate you know yeah. it's good. Yeah. yeah, hate doesn't come into the equation at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. So anyway, just just this little bit of... There was a lot of this, it felt like, in this episode, this kind of exploration of the philosophy of what is ugly, what is good. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously with Rev's situation, he was obviously wrestling with negativity and that can be an extremely ugly thing. And, uh, and yet we have Dylan on the other side expressing the positivity and, you know, kicking his butt and, Mm. you know, showing the the flip side of a lot of butt kicking, a lot of butt kicking being talked Mm. about. Um, And, you know, that's that's a positive thing. And it counters a lot of that negativity that he had being lobbed his way from his uh, Debbie Downer friend. All right. So do you want to talk about uh, Dr. Seguro and the the visions and the Commonwealth and the collectors? Sure. And Beta A. Yeah. All of that's rolled into, into the same thing. So, yeah, it's interesting. This is something that we learned about the universe right now, because up to this point, it's really been Dylan and his crew and the rest of the whole Commonwealth and them kind of being under the thumb of the collectors. And so now we see there's this brilliant but questionable scientist uh, has disappeared. Sounds kind of like a genius we already know on this show. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine if they made babies? Oh, my goodness. I think it happened. But whether we see it or not, you know, we'll yeah. we'll, we'll see that along with Rev next episode and see what happens there. Yeah, probably, because I bet she's going to stick around, too. Yeah. Well, um, well, I mean, no, no, she won't, because if there's one thing we've learned, once Harper finds a friend, they're gone the next episode, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I want to talk about that for just a minute because okay. yeah, it seems like it. How long has it been now? Just three and a half years of just <laughs> watching Harper, poor Harper, get his heart yeah. broken, and every time he shows interest in in a lady, he's just he's let down. Either. It turns out the whole thing was a ploy or or Dylan tells him to get lost, make room for the big dog, whatever. Who knows? Whatever it is. But or or they're just they just totally just blow him off. Well, now we see someone here who is uh, intellectually a peer 
of Harper. Yes. And she is attracted to, I believe she is genuinely attracted. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have someone, I just wanted to make sure we were on that. Okay. That we have someone who is genuinely attracted to Harper because of his strengths. Yeah. And no, it, and honestly, I don't understand why we didn't have an ending uh, sequence of this show in which Harper and Seguro show up together and they're like, all right, we're running off to Zindi to wait out this war, but we're, we're going to, we're going together mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in an now, alternate universe, that's what would have happened. Right. And okay. So I get it. She's a scientist. She's a very busy woman. Harper is a very busy man. So I can see how we can write this out. That this doesn't. There's no. There's no long-term uh, relationship outlook here. Um, maybe after the war is over, we can get back together. But anyway, I all I'm saying is it's nice to finally see Harper be happy and yeah. get some attention, and it's real. Yeah. And he almost didn't know what to do with himself when it was being reciprocated nope. like that. Yeah. It was it was yeah. sweet. Yeah. In a yeah. gross kind of way. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, you know, he was he was a little bit creepy, but little bit, not yeah. too bad. Um and I think it the the whole creepiness level is definitely different when the other party is interested. Yes. So it's not so it's yeah, that. it's not as egregious, right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, but, so so yeah. back to the doctor and the collectors, Beta A, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So so l- let's home in on Beta A for just a second. Okay. Did you understand what this drug was? What it was no. doing exactly? No. Because it, it seemed was, like a it did whatever needed to be done in the moment. <laughs> there was it was just sci-fi ish, gar- j- just jargon, gobbledygook, rambled yeah. up exactly. Yeah. Okay, and he's just like, "Here's the thing that does this thing," and I'm like, "But why?" <laughs> yes, yes, we need to know the why, but we did not get any why. No, and and not even a well, it's a discussion for another time. I mean, this is just this is what it does, and this is how it does it. And I'm like, "But that didn't make any sense." Um. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand the the whole idea here of being able to take this drug, run it through this machine that Harper invents, and now you're able to get video pictures of exact experiences. Yeah. So, because no. what the way they describe it is that it records your emotional state. Yeah. Okay. As as if I that is that. like encoded into your DNA somehow. So when you extract the drug with that DNA in there, that has that. In, I understand what they were saying, but I'm like, is this, I, I don't believe this. Well, but here's okay. Let's say you'd like taking core samples, going to Antarctica, and you get core samples, right? And you pull them up, and you're able to go through the layers, and you see you get. Basically, you could say you get pictures of what the Earth's atmosphere and the geology was like yeah. through those different times. Okay, yeah. you can you, they they do it all over the world. They get different pictures of what the Earth was like. Mm-hmm. So that's a record. This drug somehow makes a record of a person's emotional state, right? Yeah. And you can go, I guess, like you can go back and forth through it and and see their emotional state at different periods in time. I don't understand how that translates to 
what's the trigger? Yeah. And also, how do we have video to go along with it? <laughs> Direct representations. This isn't yeah. just uh, uh, impressions of a person's state. This is like direct memory right this is from the uh the season finale of season one yeah <laughs> so and, and which is another interesting thing because if this is supposed to be representative of harper's worst fear why is it out of body why is it third person mm. yeah, good question. shouldn't it be from his perspective if it's if it's based on his memories or i mean it's got to be yeah. from within yeah that these that these records that's are, a nice catch. are stored but no that's not how it was presented two years ago mm-hmm. when we watched it so for us it's mm-hmm. it's third person so and, and did harper disagree with that that was his worst fear no he didn't so apparently it works okay it's accurate but again accurate why I don't know. And I, I don't. I don't have an answer, and I'm moving past that. Okay, now. let's let's okay, move past it. Then. But but Harper does not disagree that that is his worst fear. So it is at least accurate-ish. Yeah. Okay. So why does it determine that Dylan's worst fear is being trapped in a black hole? Right. Because this is not what he says at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. So and, well, it was a, it was a synthetic sample from a remotely stored uh, part of Dylan's DNA. So maybe it misread somehow. But how would it know to make an assumption? I, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the same one that the collectors came up with, though. It's the same answer. It's true. Because that's the scenario that they put him in. Yeah, you're right. Let's throw him up against the event horizon of a black hole and see how he does. Yeah. But... Yeah, but either way, I mean, it was a, it was I guess a very traumatic experience. I think probably more because of the aftermath of when he comes out, of three hundred years having passed and everyone that he loves is gone. Yeah, because really, you know, being frozen oh. in time, you don't know anything other than that moment is, that you're caught in. Is that it? He says he fears losing everyone he loves. He lost everyone that he loved when he was in the black hole the first time. Oh, oh, we were so wrong three minutes ago. Yeah, you're huh. right. You stumbled. Is that it. is that what it was? Maybe. Yeah, that, that makes that actually makes brilliant sense and actually brings this episode up a tick uh, just to okay. just to be completely forthright in my mind. But yes, that that is a that's a great observation. See, because we had to talk through that because I yep. I did not get that at all. I was not thinking of that at all. Until if you he just said even it. if he had just said something like, "My worst fear is losing everyone again." I, there you go. That oh, that would have been a brilliant if the episode could have gone through yet another rewrite. That would have been the the icing on the cake. Would mm. would have, would be that additional again. Brilliant. Wow, I th- I really feel like we actually have learned something here in this discussion. Yeah, no, so do I. Um, so then about this test, this is apparently the collectors, are they working with the Abyss or under the influence of the Abyss? Um, in conjunction with... Gotta be under the influence, the, right? Yeah, 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 okay. Okay. 
Are, All well, right. hold on. Before we move on, just to touch on what does Dylan extract from RevBim? Is that uh, the 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 fluid with the drug in it, or is that a part of the abyss? Because it kind of looked a it little looked a bit little spirit of abyss. <laughs> 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 to coin a term here, uh huh. Listener, we are using that term, abyssy. It, it looked yeah. abyssy. You're right. It did. It did. So are we kind of agreeing that that was in part what was pulled out of RevBim there? Because I if, feel you're like thinking it, if you're thinking it and I was thinking it, I feel like, yeah, that, that's probably yeah. what it was. I just feel like that even if, whether it was the drug, I think that they're definitely trying to tell us that's what this is. There's something going on here involving the abyss and mm-hmm. yeah okay cool all right yeah. yeah we can move on from that now okay so the test um we touched on this a little bit already they but were the do- point the of collectors this... were doing their best Dolph Lundgren if he dies he dies yeah <laughs> yeah but I think that the whole methodology here is faulty because they're saying we can't just kill him because then he's going to be a martyr and everyone is going to rally behind his cause and then we're going to lose. Yeah. So instead what they plan to do is stick him in uh, the event horizon of a black hole Mm -hmm. lost to time for who knows how long, possibly forever. I, I don't understand the difference between as from the outside looking in are all these people going to say on one hand, Dylan Hunt is dead. We all have to go fight for what he believed in. Or are they all going to say Dylan Dylan Hunt is trapped in a black hole and we're never going to see him ever again. Let's go about our lives. He's he's essentially lost either way. Yes. So the people who are supporting him, is he not going to be a martyr whether he's dead or just frozen? Well, it... It depends on if people know the circumstances of his loss. Was he just on this ship by accident and he's now lost? Or do people know that the collectors put him there so that he is a martyr dying at the hands of someone? It seems like if the collectors are competent at all, then they should be able to assassinate somebody and not make it look like an assassination. If they're able to kidnap him, put him on a prison ship, and push it towards a black hole, is, well, is all of that okay. not going to raise any eyebrows? So, so that is if everything, if, if Dylan failed, that would be the outcome. And I feel like Pish and the collectors would be prepared to spin this so that it comes out in their favor and Dylan is lost and people move on. I feel like they're prepared for that eventuality. But the reality is what they what they wanted to see happen is what happened. Dylan overcomes. Dylan becomes the hardened weapon that he needs to be to overcome this situation and therefore defeat the abyss by making okay. his escape. So you're saying who wants this to happen? The collectors. But not all of them. Maybe not. The but, ones that Segura but the ones that Segura is working with, she yeah. she gave them the idea. It, it, it's, it's it's one or the other. You either you you win both ways. 
he either dies and you don't have to deal with him, or he comes through this crucible and he will defeat the spirit of the abyss. So you, you get what you want. What benefit is it to them if he dies? He's no longer meddling in their affairs. Okay. What benefit is it to them if he lives? He defeats the spirit of the abyss and then they can figure out a way to take him out and take over what's left. So then just go with plan B. <laughs> just do that. Just, yeah, just, just do that. Yeah. No, if I you, hear you know I hear that you. he's the only chance that the universe has at defeating the abyss, then leave the dude alone yeah. for another season and a half. Yeah. <laughs> just leave him alone. And then we can have a season six of the, of the, the collectors trying to chase him and hunt him down. There, well, you know, that it sounds good, Ryan, but Babylon 5 did that, and it didn't work out great for that show. So I, okay. I, I think we should be hopeful that this is going to work out a little bit better the way the writers have gone with it here in Andromeda. Okay. All right, I'm going to lighten it up just a little bit, but still about the collectors and the way that they plan things out here, and Seguro in particular... We, we send Dylan down, and the collectors come and collect him. And so now Becca and Rade are planet-side trying to track him down. And we get all of this resistance. And I'm just wondering why. Why do we have to make it... Why does Seguro have to make it so hard? If... If she is planning on all of this for them to come down, then as soon as they get to the planet, then when the people report to her, hey, these people are here looking for you, then she could have just just as easily said, cool, bring them to me. Right. Because that was the eventual wanted outcome anyway. Yes, but Ryan, you're ignoring the essential tenet of this show to be an action series. It's it's not about sci-fi. It's not about good storytelling. <laughs> it's about <laughs> the action. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I tip my hat just a little bit here? I don't know. I, but, I didn't hear anything. But really, because plot. And I know we're, we're really starting to lean heavily on this term. But yes, of course she makes things difficult in in the initial stages of the episode and then cooperates with them later and reveals all. And of course that's how it worked out because if she had just said, Oh, bring them to me. I'll explain everything. We wouldn't have had the fist fight. We wouldn't have had the strung out junkies. We wouldn't have had all of this other stuff, the running around the tunnels and the black, you know, doing the cardinal sin of Minecraft. And we wouldn't have had any of that. Right. Yeah. So there you go. That's true. We did. Yeah. I And those are all so many of those are things in this episode that I'm forgetting about, too. <laughs> it's easy because, to do. Because had they just gone straight to her, then we wouldn't have had all of that. And you know what? That would have freed up some time to explain Beta A. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or, you know, explore uh, a relationship between Harper. No, we don't need to explore that. Never mind. I forget I said that. <laughs> um, yeah, beta A. We could figure out more. Or, you know, talk about the collectors a little bit and their nefarious mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. That's actually, you know, including 
Dylan now at this point. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back to that because I'm <laughs> you're I'm hearing no 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 because no, I'm hearing what you're saying about this and I think it's maybe something that was lost on me. I didn't get this when I was watching. So you're saying that Seguru. I'm I'm having a hard time saying her name. I know. So the I doctor. I keep thinking cactus every time I say it. <laughs> <laughs> so so she and the collectors are all working together on this with the same purpose and goal in mind. Because I was under the impression that she said that she leads a faction who is supportive of Dylan. Almost like it was secretive. Right. That's kind of what I was getting. But, so if but as I heard it Yes, she's part of this faction, and and she's more or less on Dylan's side. However, she, in league with the Collectors, has gotten the Collectors to go along with this plan. That's either going to do away with Dylan forthrightly, or is going to condition him and bring him to the forefront as the savior of the universe. And it seemed like the Collectors were willing to go along with it because they win either way, at least in the short term. Except... Except they don't win either way. They'll deal with that later. Okay. <laughs> Just deal with it now. Like they had him. They had him. If they were they were able to lure him here yeah. to Rev Bim. They're no, able to render him unconscious. They're able to disable his communicator and his force lance, and two goons were able to come and no, grab him. No, but you're you're Just... forgetting the cardinal rule of evil geniuses is to it, you know, it's it's that scene from Austin Powers. Oh, right. What? Yeah. You, what? Am I am, am I going to kill him right now? No, I'm going to talk endlessly and put him in a tank yeah. full of you know chili and sea bass. Put with, him in an easily lasers. escapable situation <laughs> yeah, with endless. inept guards. Yeah. <laughs> what? What's the what's the problem here? Uh, yeah, it, it, that's exactly the thing. And this episode plays into that so heavily that it's it's comical, really. But again, I'm yeah. getting into my thoughts of the. Well, this I feel like we're just getting one side of this story. Maybe, maybe if we hear from Pish later, we're going to find out. Well, actually, what okay. we wanted was to kill Dylan. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe. have to wait but and you, see. We're not there yet. I guess. I guess. I guess you're right. We will wait and see, and we'll see uh, how Rev Bim gets back at them for all this that he has done to yeah, them. Yeah, because retribution's coming. Yeah. All right, so fear burns down to ashes. We have a quote for oh, this yes. episode. Oh, yes, yes, we do. Are you ready for this, I am. Ethan? All right. Confine that which you fear to the mirror. Start with who is standing there, then smile. Bogdu Gehen, seer of Agaharda, Commonwealth year 1890. This has been around for a while. 1890? Because we've established the Commonwealth's almost 10,000, right? This is early oh, history. Oh, man. Yeah. So this is ancient, even yeah. for our present day. Yeah. Okay. So, this, yeah. So this is based off of veteran time, right? That's Starting how I read with it, Common, yeah. the original. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, it's I, I, I actually like the saying for the mm -hmm. episode that we got and the scenario that we see played out. Um, Rev is going through a serious situation. He, he has his inner demons that have been brought to the fore. 
that he's having to wrestle with. And it's actually, it's, it's actually a good story for that. Uh, confine that which you fear to the mirror. So the first thing you have to do is recognize what is it that's bothering you. Look at it. Examine it. And it's always comes down to something that's within us. Um, start with who is standing there. And that's you in the mirror, typically. And mm-hmm. this is... Um, I'm sorry? Who, me? No, me. Me. If oh. I'm standing in front of a mirror, it's me I'm seeing. So I, I, I'm, I'm facing my fear. I'm looking at it. I'm examining it. And then I love that third line there. Then smile. Because... And I feel like this filters into what we got in this episode. When you approach something like that, when you're facing something that is a negative quality that is bugging you or plaguing you, if you can find something to smile about and approach that problem, you can kick its butt. You can kick anything's butt, right? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's it sounds trite um, and pretty. I like it, though. It's It's... It works. And, and I like this saying because of uh, the simplicity of it and the truth of it, I guess. Yeah. One thing I know for sure is because what you say, you says start with who is standing there. And as you said, when you look into a mirror, you see yourself. And I think that's to be expected. If I were to look into a mirror and see someone else. Well, that would be cause for fear, I would think. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see whoever it is, you smile at them. And and what does that do at that point? Well, I mean, if what you see is not yourself and you smile, I mean, it's a mirror, so they're going to smile back, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, is, is it like... Here's here's what I'm thinking, right? Remember Quantum Leap when Sam would look into a mirror and he was always shocked by what he saw. Yeah, he saw the person that he was in, inhabiting, yes. He never never really knew what he was going to be getting into. True. Every situation was a new situation uh, and so it, whatever his task was, that was the fear that we're talking about here. So what? Well, I just <laughs> shaking it's your just, head. I, I can see where you're going with this, but I, I'm 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 having another line of thought here. Of uh, basically, we we I think I think our show is going to end up coining a new phrase out of this episode. What's that? What would Sam do? He would smile. <laughs> and and yeah. So did not Sam approach any of those situations he was in with a sense of positivity, and and uh, optimism. Yeah, and he so really did. and so, what did we see Dylan do in this episode? He approached Bev's uh, hand wringing and constant being de- depressing in dealing with his own demons, and he approached it with some positivity and with some optimism. And so, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do either. What would Dylan do? Ah, I really don't want to do that. But uh, nah, not anymore. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. All right, yeah. Um, leave it at that. But uh, we have one more thing we have to do, Ethan. Let's talk about our final thoughts on this episode. Um, I feel like maybe you've kind of already started. You want to go ahead and just finish up whatever it was you were saying? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I 
we're recording this in June of 2022. June being uh, Mental Awareness Month of all things, and mental mental health awareness. Mental health awareness, yes, <laughs> mental health awareness <laughs> month. And and how appropriate to get this episode when we're when we're getting it because I mean, isn't this something that a large part of society is having a harder time doing? And that's dealing with their own inner demons and their own feelings, thoughts, depressions, anxieties, whatever it is. And and we get to see Rev going through this. Now, it's artificially created, either by the spirit of the abyss or beta A or whatever it is that he's under the influence of. And yet, it's, it's the thing that we see a lot of people doing. And sadly, some people aren't successful in fighting that negativity that's in them, that darkness that's in them that Rev talked about. And um, yeah, it, it, it seems, it seems like a simple thing. And a lot of people look at it and say, I can't, I just can't get myself there. I just can't do it. I can't approach this. I'm, I'm too negative in my thinking and I can't be positive the way Dylan was countering Rev's negativity with positivity, but you have to do it. And that's why I love this saying so much. Um, when you recognize whatever it is that you're fighting, whether it's depression, or, uh, an, an issue you're dealing with, an anxiety that you have, and right now, who doesn't have anxieties right now? Everybody has them. Smile, though. Smile, work the problem, and something good's going to come out of it. It seems like a simple message, but it's one that I really think we all need to kind of take stock of and think about right now. And I, you know, I like the episode for that, for what it per- portrays in that. Now, everything else is problematic at best. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of sci-fi in this episode that just doesn't make any sense. We've talked about it. Um, this episode has the potential to tell a really good character story. And in many respects, it does. When it comes to Dylan and Rev, I really enjoyed the interactions between Brent State and uh, and Kevin Sorbo in, in this episode. It was like old times. I did enjoy that. But in the end, <sighs> Rev's not going to be around <laughs> next episode. What? Spoiler alert. I mean, <laughs> and, and so I, I really... In all of it, and here I'm talking about being positive in dealing with negative situations, but what were the writers thinking in leaving us with the impression that Rev was going to be around now? And correct me if I'm wrong, they really leaned heavily on giving that impression at the end of this episode. And that just seems like such an unfair thing to do to the audience, to us (laughs) as, Mm -hmm. as watchers of this show. And so for that reason, while I like the message of this episode, and I think it's a good one, um, they the writers needed to go back and do a couple of more uh, renditions of this episode in which they, you know, let us down a little bit more gently as far as where Rev is concerned. It's, it's a good episode. I'd watch it again. But uh, it's not a great episode, I would say, even with Rev in it. Yeah, so ultimately at its core, this is an episode of science fiction. Unfortunately, the science wasn't that good. And neither was the fiction, really. So 
I'm not sure where that leaves us, except that with all of that, I still don't come down on the side of hating this episode. And I think there were, to me, there was enough story stuff that was, that makes, that makes it redeemable because we still, uh, we remember that there is this, this conflict within the Commonwealth. We remember that there is, uh, the collectors. We find out that there's division within those divisions. So, Dylan's going to have help. I think we can look we can look forward and see that there is uh, hope on the horizon for Dylan. Um, and also remembering that we do have this threat of the spirit of the abyss and the Magog worldship. We remembered that there were Magog. Um, and and, and we do have some character stuff too with with Rade. I mean, just because I don't like some of the things that Rade does doesn't necessarily mean that I think that that's bad writing because I think he's going through some stuff. He's he needs to look in the mirror and smile. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also, I think back to the point that we disagree on to why he's acting the way he is. Either way, I think he is still acting in a, um, I don't want to say an appropriate way, but he's acting in an, in an expected way. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a fish out of water now. So I don't hate what they're doing with Roddy's character. I think they're, they're showing us flaws and issues and having trouble dealing with the rest of the crew so that he has room to grow. If you start out without room to grow, then where do you go? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm a lot like you on this one and it's not, it's not fantastic. And I think there's a lot of things, a lot of holes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But even so, I have hated other episodes for far less. Yeah. And yet still come out not hating this one. Like, I feel like I should. Yeah. You know? No, I, I agree. Um, was Lava and Rockets a more solid story? Yeah, probably was. But uh, I hate Lava and Rockets more than I hate this one. Well, I don't yeah. hate this one. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you know... It's not standing out as a top level of season four. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's still what happens in this needs to happen. And you have to have this episode, I think, to move forward with the series. And did they do a great job of, of telling the story? No. But is it a story that we needed to have told? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And hey, you know, there again, if, if anything from this episode, from this podcast... Be positive. Is that the lesson? Lessons we've learned in this podcast. Be positive. Um, don't do drugs. And uh, oh, don't dig straight down in Minecraft. Yeah. So if you can do those three things, you're going to be a better person. Mm-hmm. From this episode of Andromeda, from this episode of Drive Back Tonight. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that we have expressed that well enough. 
But if we haven't, if we've let somebody down, Ethan, how could they get a hold of us and let us know? You know we're letting people down all the time. (laughs) And they can let us know at drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter using the handle AndromedaPod, at AndromedaPod on both of those social media sites. We are on Podbean. That's where every episode of Andromeda, of Drive Back the Night. Including Drive Back the Night special with Brent State. Go find it. Yes, that's right. Go back and find that one. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure and leave a star rating and review. That helps other people uh, find the uh, podcast. Also, for Spotify, that option is there as well. So if you listen on one of those two platforms, definitely uh, take a moment and uh, let people know what you think of the show. Did I mention, too, that you can also say, Alexa, play Drive Back the Night in Andromeda Series Podcast? I think you've done that. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice for the opening quote of this episode. As always, we are an Age of Geek production, and we hope that you will join us next time as we are going to try to get all the prepositions correct in this one. Lost in a space that isn't there. Did he not approach any of those situations? Balls. Did he not? Lacey came home. Yeah. I can't hear anything. Ow. Say that again. You were in the middle of a podcast, Lacey. Come on. <laughs> that means cut. I don't know what's going on here.